Well, welcome back to our next edition of uh, Hello World with Mike Kara, as always, probably broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And my guest today is Mr. Neil Nixon, who has written a lot of books. But today we want to talk about the fact that uh, he has written a great book about the Beatles. Of course, I love the Beatles, a big Beatles fan. And the, the book is Beatles, Myths, and Legends. And we're here to talk today to Neil all about uh, the Beatles and uh, the, the book, of course. And uh, first of all, Neil where do you where do you think your fascination and love of the Beatles comes from? Uh, well, I'm I'm young enough that I don't remember a time before them, and I was so young when they were first massively famous that they just seemed to be kind of mythical creatures. And then, um, and oddly enough, I became I wasn't a huge Beatles fan when I started finding my own music. That was the generation before me. So I was big into Deep Purple and T-Rex and all the, the noisy stuff. But the longer I've loved music, the more I just appreciate that they're brilliant. And I've had a radio show for the last sort of 10 years or so. And I've got kind of like an alternative show. So I never thought we'd play a lot of Beatles, but I'm amazed at just how wonderfully they fit into the it doesn't matter how far out you want to go you can often find a Beatles track that will just fit with it perfectly so we did some hauntology recently which is kind of like really weird edge of folk and the the vocal tracks from the bonus edition of Abbey Road just dropped right into that so I just I, 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 I love music and I just can't believe how good they are compared to so many other people Wow, great. So then let's talk about, you know, the Beatles, you know, there's so many questions, and I'm sure the questions I have, you know, are some of the questions that you talk about in the book. And, and I know you've researched the Beatles. So we know that the Beatles pretty much started as a cover band. But I mean, when the Beatles first started out, were they writing original music? Um, not really, no. And also, when they first started out in the 1950s, it wasn't it wasn't the thing to do to write your own original songs and it particularly wasn't the thing to do if you were British because we, we, we were most of British rock and roll give or take a few absolute diamonds is pathetic pale imitations of what the Americans were doing way better so it, no, they, they weren't I mean, and, and when they did when when John and Paul started doing it um they started really to see whether they could they they could manage to do that. They were quite enjoying what they did, but a lot of the early stuff, and I mean, even the, like one after nine oh nine, which is on Let It Be, is a very very early song, um, you know. And you, you you can hear them basically rehashing the best of Eddie Cochran and stuff in those early things. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that that's interesting to know. So, yeah, we want to talk about some of the myths and legends, and one of them I kind of already had mentioned to you in an email, and that is, and this is something that people actually believe as far as a myth goes, apparently, that in 1966, Paul had actually died in a car crash, mm -hmm. and they replaced him with a fake Paul, which I guess was Willie Shears was the inspiration for Billy Shears, and uh, well, since then this has been a fake Paul. So, this, so this is obviously not true. 
This is obviously not true. Thank you, Mike. So can, if I'm going to talk about this, can we start with a disclaimer? Um, I was interested. I'm really interested in myths and legends and why people believe anything. So when I'm not writing about the Beatles, for example, I'm writing about topics like UFOs. But again, I'm something of a skeptic. So the whole point of the Beatles myths and legends book is to look into how people begin to build beliefs around what are very mundane right. things. Right. Yeah. Paul McCartney did not die in a car crash in November 1966. Yeah. He did not blow his mind out in a car. He's very much alive and well as you and I talk to each other today. And his album at the end of last year kind of proves that. So if you wanted one substantial piece of evidence that William Campbell Shears did not replace Paul McCartney, it would be the improbability that a Scots guy that basically was selected on the so the legend goes he was selected on the basis of winning a McCartney lookalike contest well he just happened to write pretty much everything that Paul McCartney contributed to the Beatles from Sgt Pepper onwards and then go on to have that solo career and at the end of the 1970s um, the top three selling acts in the history of popular music before Michael Jackson came and changed the rules on that uh, were the Elvis Presley, the Beatles, and then Paul McCartney outside of the Beatles. So how the hell would you get that lucky if you just recruited a guy from a lookalike contest? Right. Yeah. So, you know, that that's very interesting. And another thing I wanted to talk about that, that I mentioned to you is about the meanings of songs. And you probably know the, the song that I'm first going to you know want to talk about true meanings. And that's is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You know what I'm getting at. I, I, I know what you're getting at. John Lennon always denied it and said that it was a um, it was a comment that his son Julian had made. And it was about right. a picture that Julian had drawn at school and the Lucy in the picture is somebody that he was at school with. Um, I mean, are you wanting a definitive answer on whether he's just trying to sneak the LSD reference through? Yes. <laughs> the, the definitive answer is that the definitive books can't agree. Um, right. And a common sense answer which occurs to me is that um, it's the way a politician would set it up. It means one thing, but he sets it up so convincingly that he can argue it's another. And I think that's, uh, to a certain extent, John Lennon's genius did go in that direction quite a lot. Um, and he, he was never that clear about uh, those sort of things when he was being interviewed. By complete contrast, Paul McCartney interviewed at one point, was talking about a day in the life and made a comment about, um, you know, whether they were deliberately promoting drugs or not. And he said, well, when they came up with the line between them about I'd love to turn you on, because that is one that they actually did write collaboratively, even then they were doing it occasionally. You know, they kind of looked at each other and thought, yeah, that'll get, that'll do. As in, we're not going to ever say we're promoting drug use. But on the other hand, if it just gets out there and it has more than one meaning, that will do us no harm at all. Yeah. Right. So now the song with Hey Jude, was that originally Hey Jules? That's what I've heard. I mean, yeah, for the, 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 the concept there of, yeah, yeah, as in um, a song consoling Julian Lennon, who Paul McCartney had got quite close to and had seen growing up. And uh, yeah, and it's to do with the breakup of John Lennon's marriage and how Julian Lennon was finding that difficult, apparently. Yeah. There's a there's a wonderful book called Revolution in the Head, which I mean, it's you know, it's been out a long time now, but but um, it pretty much boils down every Beatles song as to the history of, you know, 
who you're listening to and what the songs mean, if anything. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so now, what are some of the, the the actual truths you know about the Beatles that people might find surprising? Then. Well, what, you mean as in what are the main myths and legends things that I cover? Yeah. 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 So the, the Myths and Legends book, when I did it, was it was look, I'll, I'll tell you something. I never hear anybody when they're being interviewed about a book tell you what I'm about to tell you, Mike. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. Right. And yet this is true all the time. So have you ever heard anybody being interviewed on a radio station about their, their new book and asked why they wrote it? And they say, well, actually, um, me and the agent were looking at three possibilities. And the agent said to me, I can't get a deal for the other two. It's that or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so it was more or less like that. Me, me and I've known the company for a while, Gonzo Multimedia, that did it. And I'd, I've done three books for them. And myself and the guy that is the editor there used to meet each other at paranormal conferences and everything quite a lot. So we often used to talk about this kind of weird myths and legends thing to do with what people believe. He's an expert on mystery animals when he's not editing these books. So he knows a lot of stuff about Bigfoot. Um, and I'm more into UFOs and stuff. And we both had this conversation about, you know, that, that we've got an interest in the Beatles. And we just we were discussing it on the phone one day. And it was like, well, nobody's actually written a book about all the various meanings that people have found in the Beatles. Um, and the thing about myths and legends is if you line them all up, it shows you a lot about how people come to believe things. So the Lennon was assassinated story is a straightforward conspiracy theory. It's in there with all the JFK legends and stuff. Right. The Paul is dead rumor is one that became briefly an urban legend. And it teaches you a lot about how people will fall for what is basically rubbish. Yeah. And then come to believe it. The story about George Harrison dying in the mid 1970s, which is chapter three, is an urban legend that never happened. It was there and gone in about five minutes because really there was never any traction for it. And then the, the, the myth about Ringo is that he's not interesting. Yeah, there's loads of stuff about Ringo, but he's, he's, he's a widely misunderstood individual. And then there's another myth at the end of it, which is that, and again, this, this has been believed off and on, that um, the Beatles didn't split up in 1970, but they continued recording different sounding music under a number of different names, certainly well into the 1970s, which they didn't do. But there are there are three albums in particular that get rolled out as Beatles albums when they're not. Oh, yeah, I think I, I, I heard about that. I remember that, that uh, watching a YouTube video about that, that there was the Beatles actually secretly recorded under an, another name or something. Well, the, the, the three contenders for that are all very different. So the first claim is that um, the Residents, an American band called the Residents, I don't know if you're familiar with them, were the Beatles. And the the, the first Residents album has a cover, which is a, an obvious pastiche of the second Beatles album as released in the UK, right? Right. Um, so it's almost like giving a message. And the thing about the residence was that for most of their existence until the recent past, they were very careful never to reveal the individual identities of a particular resident. You know, the whole thing just exists in a parallel universe. Now, that said, if you listen to the first residence album, it's a it's it's like taking Revolution Nine as the basis of a career. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's even more avant-garde than that. So. If that was the Beatles recording, then they'd done the unthinkable. They'd put Yoko in charge, I think. <laughs> um, which uh, so there's that one. The, the another one, which is 
commonly cited in i mean this it, it's it's interest it's it's what you Americans would call baloney, but it's quite interesting baloney, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, another one that's, that's cited in that regard is the um, the first Claw Two album, the the band who named themselves after the robot in the sci-fi movie, and it's the album that's got. Um, that, I mean, the best-known song on it was a hit for the Carpenters, calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Uh, and again, that's because Claw Two were largely anonymous and Canadian, and it, and it. That's the late 70s, and it sounds like what the Beatles may have sounded like. It's sort of, it's a bit ELO, a little bit prog, but very much a pop album. And then the third one that, that, that was, uh, some people did actually believe this, was um, an album by a band called Loving Awareness, which came out in the self-titled album, which came out in 1976, and was quite widely known in Europe because it was, um, it was promoted by Radio Caroline, that was the best-known pirate radio station that, broadcast out of from a ship in between mainland Europe and the UK and was widely listened to across you know a lot of that territory um and anyway to cut a long story short the album was made to order and it was financed partly by people who had an interest in Radio Caroline some of the musicians on it went on to be quite well known later on in particularly in Britain one you know the, there were members of a band called the Blockheads um, and it's it was deliberately concocted as a almost like a Beatles 1976 record might have sounded. And Radio Caroline often played it and just said, you know, and there was even a press conference which used big boards in the back using the same graphics as the Beatles and everything. So it was deliberately done to try and fool people. Okay, Neil, you know what? That sounds great. What we are going to do is we are going to take a quick break and we will be back. My guest today is Neil Nixon from Jolly Old England, Kent, England. And we're so blessed and honored to have Neil here to talk about his book, Beatles, Myths and Legends. For me, I literally you know, grew up with the Beatles, even though the Beatles were already broken up. And for me, it is just great to talk all about the Beatles. I have a lot of questions and Neil has the answers. You are listening to Hello World with Mike Kara, as always, probably broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of Hello World with Mike Kara. As always, probably broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, the General Central Florida, Orlando area, USA, planet Earth. My guest today is Neil Nixon, all the way from jolly old England, as we are talking about the Beatles and a great uh, super group and uh, a lot of great memories with the Beatles. And Neil has a book. It is called Beatles Myths and Legends. And we're so blessed and honored that uh, Neil could be here today to tell us all about that book. So we want to thank Neil for being here. And we truly do appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much. Okay. Now I have, uh, you know, something I heard about the, the Beatles and I want to want to get your take on it. And it involves Saturday Night Live. And I'm sure you were aware that uh, that uh, Warren Michaels had offered, I don't know what it was, $1,500 for the Beatles to reunite. And George Harrison ended up showing up that night. But I had heard that Paul McCartney and John Lennon were in New York and they, they were thinking about it, but then were too tired and couldn't do it do you have any insight on to that 
the same story you've got yeah I, I i understand that it's true and and it's th th their lives are well enough chronicled that that was almost possible um you know there's a if i could offer you a bit of an insight into that it, it's that because the beatles lives are so well covered by biographers it's often known what they were doing and and certainly in the 1970s the reality of being a beatle is that you could almost go anywhere and get opportunities and and you'd make decisions in the moment first of all you had to produce an album a year, a solo album a year, most of that right. time, which is what they did. Yeah. Most of the 1970s, the various Beatles weren't touring. I mean, Paul McCartney was the busiest touring Beatle in the 70s, but he was also bringing up young kids. So they were often in situations where they would just randomly get an opportunity and either decide yes or no in the moment. And that explains quite a lot of what went on in Beatle lives at that point. I mean, Ringo was most reliant on his comrades and also the one with the biggest problem because he was a quite serious alcoholic towards the end of that decade and cleaned up in the 80s um, but but the others were often you know George Harrison turned up in various things he turned up in a spoof documentary about a band called the Ruttles for example yeah which was largely done on a his mate Eric Idle was doing it and just pretty much rang up George and persuaded him, you know. So they often were able to just do those kind of things. And as I understand it, they could have done Saturday Live and, and decided quite casually not to. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Can, can I I'll tell you an interesting story? I, I've never met a Beatle. The, the closest I ever came to was in a similar circumstance, and I nearly met George Harrison. Um and it's a long, long story, but the short version of it is that the George is dead story that's in the Beatles Myths and Legends book, I'd written it up for a magazine in the UK in the early 1990s. And it was it was just reported as a legend about George Harrison that, you know, I'm using all the same evidence that's in the book. And I got a phone call from a TV show. Um and asking me if I'd go on. This is a guy called Jonathan Ross, who's very well known. He's written as David Letterman these days, but he wasn't particularly well known at the time. He was on a Channel 4, which was not, he had a following, but not a huge one. And they asked me if I'd go on and talk about it. And they warned me what was going to happen if I did, which is that I'd be in the middle of my story and George Harrison would walk out behind me and deny that he was dead. <laughs> and I, I was up for it. I really wanted to meet George. And the thing was that um, what they told me, and I take it to be true, but it's not reported in the biographies as clearly as this was that he was quite seriously thinking about a european tour and what he was going to do was come out behind me and say well i'm not dead and oh, by the way i'm going to be playing across europe this summer yeah um but then the european tour got pulled and he decided not to do it and again it was just one of those things where obviously he was busy there were opportunities coming up right throughout their lives because of who they were and they just make decisions you know based on what was in front of them at the time yeah Right. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's the interesting, uh, how, you know, and, you know, a lot of people have told me, uh, Neil, that, that, that they've met uh, Paul McCartney and he's a he's a nice guy. And that's, I guess, what we really go on is interactions from other people as far as how these Beatles are then. But I mean, behind closed doors, we don't know what's going on then, huh? Now, I, I, I trust these days, I trust the written reports more than I used to in the past, because uh, there's a point made in the book, actually, that um, the, the guy that shot John Lennon. So let's I don't you know, unless you want to talk about it for a particular reason, I don't really want to go into John Lennon's death. But sure. yeah, um, 
central to this is that the guy that shot him not long before that was reading two books and he was reading Catcher in the Rye, which is well known because it was, you know, he sat there and read it after he'd done the deed. But the other book he'd read around that time was a book called One Day at a Time, which is by a guy called Anthony Fawcett, who it's about John Lennon's life. And it's actually, in retrospect, it's one of the more accurate early biographies because it just it describes a, there's, there's no clear end to the book. It just describes John Lennon trying to live his life where he's got these collisions of things that are bothering him. Because on the one hand, he's a guy who cares very much about social activism and doing the right thing. On the other hand, he's loaded. Yeah, he's got more money than he ever dreamed possible. And he's. You know, so it, it can't help the fact that there's a certain hypocrisy about it. And now the, the argument in um, the argument about Mark Chapman is that he almost read the catcher in the right definition of a phony as, as the John Lennon thing. But the subsequent biographies of the Beatles and a lot of major rock stars are often rely on a lot of eyewitness accounts. And when they're consistent, you get a picture of who they are. I mean, certainly. If you read about Ringo Starr after he cleaned up, the guy's a living saint. He's, you know, he's um, he's he's a wonderful human being. The planet, yeah, we we underrate him hugely. And one of the things that he's done, which is attested to, is what a, what a really nice guy he is. Um, his all-star band has conspicuously. Some of the musicians who've gone through it have been guys who've had alcohol and drug problems. And Ringo, who's come through that, has been a phenomenal mentor to some of these guys to keep them on the straight and narrow and help their careers. You know, and if you look at people like Joe Walsh and stuff who've been in their band, they've had their own problems and they're pretty functional now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's th th that side of him is often underplayed, really. Um, yeah. They, they, both him and Paul come over as people who've mellowed very, very agreeably. And, you know, they've got close friends and people who meet them casually generally come away quite impressed. And now, Neil, the quick question of, of the century I wanted to ask you, and that is, of course, about who broke up the Beatles. And before we get to that, I was watching on Howard Stern where Paul himself said it was John that br broke up the Beatles. So that's his opinion. But I mean, what does the, the research, I mean, a lot of people like my dad and a lot of people think it was Yoko Ono. I mean, what was was it a combination of things or? Well, um, I don't know that you'd ever know the straight answer to that because it's a bit like, um, look, it normally takes only two people to break up a marriage and you'll get very different stories, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 there were four people in that band, five if you count George Martin, who was a very much a player in the studio. Um, my common sense answer would be that they simply outgrew what it was that, that they, they'd done. They were from the point at which they stopped touring, which was, uh, you know, becoming a very stressful part of their lives for all of them. They just grew in such different directions, didn't they? Um, and so the, the pressures that broke them up, I mean, the, the Beatles broke up the Beatles. Um, right. In, in just the same way that, how to put it? The, the, sometimes bands who've got phenomenal talent that just drives the quality of their work, i.e. the bands who've got the best quality control, just simply can't exist in the same room because there comes a point when you just can't contain all that in what that band is, yeah? 
Right. Um, and, and I was going to say that there are honourable examples of that and quite dishonourable examples, but I'd, I'd say Led Zeppelin are an honourable example. You know, that in respect to John Bonham, they've never properly reformed because Led Zeppelin had four front men and, and you know, the, the, the other three seemed to regard it that he was irreplaceable as a drummer. Therefore, they couldn't ever be Led Zeppelin again. So that was it. He died and the band was over. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Beatles have been quite respectful of their own legacy in that sense that they've never, you know, I, I respect them for not going on the on the legacy trail and turning into their own heritage act, which is probably to their credit, they didn't. And also, if you think about some of the post Beatle work that they did, um, Apple saw itself as a film company, but wasn't that successful. But George Harrison as a film producer was just amazing. And he, if the Beatles had gone on, he wouldn't have had the time to build that part of his life. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I've, 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 people ask me when the first book came out, well, when would they have, if John Lennon had, had not died, when would they have reformed? And it, I don't know, Live Aid might have been a bit of a challenge. They might have done what Pink Floyd did, you know, back for 20 minutes and then that's it. Yeah. Right. But, but I, they didn't fall out to the point where it was going to be impossible forever. You know, the, the yeah. three survivors came together for the whole anthology thing. Yeah, yeah. Like three right. respectful professionals who still liked each other, but probably couldn't, would not have got back on stage and ever thought that that was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Neil, I was just going to, you know, mention that, that, that they did get to get, get together sort of kind of maybe, you know, for that. Uh, and, and they, I know that on YouTube, there's a lot of interviews of them you know, doing interviews together. But like you said, they never really that performed live on stage and the three of them. No, no. And and that was probably a good idea. If, if you look at their respective live histories, um, George was the first one to do a proper big American tour. Although ironically, he was the one who seemed to like touring least. And he only ever did one more tour with and that was almost like an off-the-shelf tour. He got Eric Clapton's band to back him and went to Japan, where he was probably guaranteed a respectful audience. And there's quite a good live album came out of it. But um, there are films of him when he did one or two of the, you know, towards the end of the 80s, when, when the rock aristocracy started getting together and doing these big gigs to celebrate something or other, yeah? And uh, George Harrison played a few of those. And I can't remember which gig it is. I think it's... Might be the Roy Orbison one or something, but the, the, there's some some close-up shots of him on stage, and he's just hating it. He's terrified, you know. He doesn't. Um, he he wasn't enjoying that, so he probably wouldn't have ever wanted to go back on stage. Um, and I think Ringo's live work now with his all-star band that that works really well. That's great, you know. They um, he plays a few hits, and whoever's in his band gets up and plays their best-known stuff, and it just worked really well. So. For them to come together as Beatles, they've all gone in different directions. I don't think it would have worked. Okay, Neil, you know what? That sounds great. What we are going to do is we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back for a very last segment of this edition of our program today. My guest today is Neil Nixon from uh, beautiful jolly old England in Kent County, England, and uh, we are so blessed and honored to have Neil here today to talk about his book, Beatles, Myths, and Legends, talking all about the Beatles. It's been a while since we've uh, talked about the Beatles, and it's great to... Uh, 
be able to talk with Neil and uh, help promote uh, his book. So please pick up a copy. You won't be disappointed. You are listening to Hello World with Mike Kara, as always, probably broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And please stay with us for our very last segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our very last segment of this edition of uh, Hello World with Mike Kara. As always, probably broadcasting from uh, Ocoee, Florida, the general central Florida area, um, Orlando area, USA, planet Earth. My guest today from uh, beautiful uh, jolly old England in uh, beautiful Maidstone, Kent, UK, we have uh, Neil Nixon, who is a... uh, Great author, he's authored about 30 books or so, and today we're talking about his book, Beatles, Myths, and Legends. And it's kind of fun to talk about the Beatles. I, I, I don't think the Beatles have been forgotten in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, sometimes, you know, with our busy lives, you know, we for, for, forget those great Beatle memories, and we're so glad that Neil, Neil Nixon is here today to talk about uh, the Beatles and his book, Beatles, Myths, and Legends. So we want to thank Neil, and we also want to thank each of every, and every one of our podcast listeners for joining me today, sharing my love and passion for what I do, which is bringing you Neil's love and passion for what he does, and it's both the Beatles. And if you've got a show idea, you know, any sort of idea, whether it's, a, you know, a chef, a cook, you know, paragliding, parasailing, or maybe a Pacific person such as Neil Nixon, uh, author, you know, p- please uh, go to MikeKara.com. Uh, let me know. Uh, give me a call. Send me an email. And uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. So again, my guest is Neil Nixon. And Neil, such a pleasure and honor that you could join me today. Thanks so much. We truly do appreciate it. So now, Neil, as far as this, you know, book goes, I mean, you you did a lot of research with it. Or I mean, you knew a lot of this information or how did that work? Uh, a little of both. Um, some of it, I did a lot of research. The the thing about John being assassinated, like it being a conspiracy like JFK and stuff, is very well known, and there are books written about it. Similarly with the Paul is dead one. The kind of wrong-headed rumour about George Harrison dying in the mid-1970s was, uh, I remembered that, and I remembered it being a brief thing that was discussed at the time, and there were music papers and stuff made a joke of it, and I'd gone and researched into that because I'm quite interested in urban legends. And again, it's a complicated point, but put simply, it had all the makings of an urban legend, but it never really happened. And that's largely because the thing that would have driven it, which would have been the people that needed to believe in it or whatever, just didn't get on board beyond treating it as a joke. It's actually quite an interesting story. Um, so I did a lot of research into that. And if that's something I've, I've acquainted myself with virtually every significant book written about George Harrison ever um and yes and the the other stuff was stuff that I knew that I went and researched a bit and of course the internet drives this all the time so people are still talking about it the um Billy Shears the imposter the alleged imposter right yeah yeah as it has his own website you can even buy his biography I mean (laughs) it's interesting you know, I kind of I stumbled on that sign. I thought, well, why didn't I cash in on that? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe because I've got too much of a conscience, I wouldn't have done it. But so it, it keeps driving itself. And and obviously, it, the book's a few years old now. But I, I went and had a look at 
up to the moment stuff for when I wrote it, which is interesting because there's another dimension to this now, which there wasn't when these stories first started, which is that because people access music on playlists and you know streaming services and stuff, there's much more confusion about who recorded what. So, for example, there are a lot of particularly Americans. Let's just go there with this one. America seems more likely to believe that songs like Mr. Blue Sky by the ELO are actually Beatles originals. Um, and a lot of America believes that Don't Worry, Be Happy is a Bob Marley song. Um, seriously. And it's, you know, so this is because that's happening in the age of the Internet when people don't really always link the music with the recording with the artists. Um, you know, that's that's adding to the legends now because there's confusion certainly around the edges about what are Beatles songs and what aren't. Oh, yeah, that that's interesting, Neil, about the influence of the, the Beatles, because one thing that uh, I, I enjoy is we even have Christmas carols that are done as the Beatles. You can you can listen to that. So, I mean, everyone's in America is, is kind of still obsessed with the Beatles. They just had that certain something then, huh? Mm-hmm. They, they, they do. And as, as the two surviving Beatles... Well, there'll come a day when they're not around, and a reasonable guess at that point would be that some of their legend and some of their image will go the way that the Elvis legend and image has gone. You know, that people will just start to drag it into their own domain. So, you know, there are Elvis... If I understand the the legalities of this correctly, there are no Elvis impersonators. They're all tribute artists, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> right. Because right. th- th- that's that's how Graceland's would like it, and and within reason, anybody can get licensed. And uh, I was doing some research on all this a while ago, and and if you see the people that have taken Elvis and his image into different directions, there's a, I think I think the performer in question has died. Um, recently but there were there were a couple of british ones i looked at there was a guy who um is elphis e-l-p-h-i-s and he's he makes himself up like the elephant man and he performs elvis yeah seriously and you know and i don't think you could do that with the beatles tribute while half the band are still alive but i think that people will do very surreal things on stage with the beatles when you know, and with, with the Elvis thing, that's already started to happen, and it has happened for years. In fact, I um, I played recently on my radio show. We had a guy in in a, a British guy who died recently, a bloke called Peter Singh, who was a Sikh, you know, with full turban and everything like that. Right. And he used to perform as the Punjabi Elvis, and he performed <laughs> like in an Elvis style, but he had songs about being a Punjabi. So right. his best known song by a mile was a thing called "Rocking with the Sikh." You know, and it, it it just the opening line is I don't smoke dope, I don't drink bourbon, all I want to do is shake my turban. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's like a comedy act. And I think if you look at how Elvis's image and his likeness and his sound has become kind of surreal and everybody can just take it and interpret it the way they want, I think that's the future of the Beatles when Paul and Ringo are either not with us or not active anymore. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's uh, great, uh, Neil. A lot of uh, you know good uh, information. And okay, okay, before we go, then how does someone get the book? And yeah, you want to mention your website too, please. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, um, it's not hard to find. The, the book is called Beatles Myths and Legends, 
My name is Neil Nixon. Uh, I think most Americans will know how to spell Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. It, it's like him, but no relation. And uh, I've got, it's dead simple. If you, if anybody wanted to contact me about that, I mean, I do, now that the lockdown is ending again, I'm, I'm sort of back on the road booking talks and things like that. And I'm, I've got bookings going forward. In fact, I just, I took one recently for, I, I do a talk on the Beatles book basically. Um, and you could get me through speakernet.com, which is, um, speakingit.com speakingit.co.uk i think it's it's a british site anyway where you can book speakers but obviously i do live gigs on zoom and stuff as well and um i've got neilnixon.com so i'm dead easy to find yeah and i'm i'm also quite fortunate that there is no world famous neil nixon so if you put neil nixon into the internet there's a reasonable chance you'll find me i think i've i've got the only neil nixon wikipedia page at the moment so i'm not hard to find yeah Okay, uh, Neil, thanks so much for your time. Uh, if you'd like to, I think we'll talk about it later. Maybe we'll have you back about one of the other 29 books that you've, uh, you've written. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I'd, I'd love that, Mike. Yeah, so it's, and um, yeah, so it, it's, th 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 this works then. A, a nice hot Florida morning and a fairly cool Kent afternoon, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Great. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here? No, I, I appreciate coming on. I love doing things like your podcast because apart from anything else, I get to talk about the stuff I'm really enthusiastic about, which is great. So you just keep the podcast coming, Mike. I would love to come back and talk about UFOs or something at some point. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be great. Okay, my guest is Neil Nixon, and you've been listening to the uh, to Hello World with Mike uh, Kara. And uh, please uh, catch us again next time.